Greetings and welcome to our green edition of the ILO Future of Work podcast. I'm Belinda Jaffet and I'm joining you from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Today, I'm chatting with two very talented green entrepreneurs from Zimbabwe. They have recognized the challenges brought about by climate change and have come up with some interesting solutions which they are now running as successful businesses. But before we begin, um, we'd like to share a few figures around these two businesses. For example, did you know the average baby can use up to four to 6,000 disposable diapers before they're potty trained? Besides the huge cost, that's around 550 kgs of carbon emissions per child. And not to mention the billions of tons of plastic and toxic waste being disposed in landfills. Secondly, roughly around 16 million Zimbabweans live in rural areas with limited or scanty access to electricity. Women and children can often be found walking up to 10 kilometers daily to collect firewood for cooking and heating. This obviously contributes to rampant deforestation of precious forest land in Zimbabwe, but obviously around Africa as well. My guests today are Elizabeth Nyamuda, founder of Tamba Washables. It's a reusable cloth diaper manufacturing business in Zimbabwe. Our second guest is Luke Makarishi, founder of Green Tech Energy, whose biogas digesters enable households to convert food and animal waste into renewable energy. His company now allows households from around Zimbabwe to use this energy for cooking and heating instead of cutting down trees for firewood. Both of these businesses have been awarded grants by the ILO's Green Enterprise Program in Zimbabwe. Elizabeth and Luke, welcome. Thank you, Belinda. So to begin with, your businesses um, are actually quite different, but they're actually both geared towards um, having a positive impact to the environment. Um, Perhaps we can first start by you both telling us exactly how these ideas came about. Thank you very much, Belinda. Green Tech Energy is is an idea that was born out of a visit that I made to a country in Southeast Asia in 2015. I had visited that country for a short course on global warming mitigation by balancing sustainable energy management. I visited a number of um, inspiring energy projects, including a waste power plant in Phuket. On my return to Zimbabwe, I realized that as a country, we're not doing much in terms of recovering energy and materials from waste. At the same time, I also realized that My country had uh, a huge challenge when it comes to access to electricity. About 68% of the the Zimbabwean population live in the rural areas where they have limited access to electricity. And you realize also that even in the urban areas, there are frequent power cuts. Zimbabwe was only generating around 1,200 megawatt against a demand of approximately 2,400 megawatt. So I realized that there was a gap and we could come in and uh, bring in a business that can allow people to recover energy from waste materials, ranging from the food waste that they generate in their households on a daily basis, and also the livestock waste that is generated in farms. We realize that there is a gap, and we can make use of that waste and convert it to energy in order to uh, supply the shortfall. How exactly did you come about to bring this idea now into making it a tangible uh, business idea, business model? For me, first of all, I realized that, you know, because we can recover energy from a number of waste streams, including municipal solid waste, the organic waste that is generated in households, and also the livestock waste that is generated in farms mostly. But as a starting point, I realized that it would be very difficult to start with the large scale, you know, commercial plants 
like the waste to energy incinerators that we see in other parts of the world. So I realized that it would be easier for me to start with biogas, which is much simpler. In the country, we already had a number of biogas plants that had been uh, deployed, most of which were donor funded. So I realized that I could start by uh, working with biogas plants, the small scale biogas plants, and then move on to the larger scale uh, commercial, commercial plants. So I put together a team and shared the vision with them. They accepted the vision, they bought into it, they were inspired. And right away we went on the ground, started uh, talking to people whom we thought could be our potential first customers. And there we are, uh, there we were, we were already uh, you know, making uh, a business. Elizabeth, um, I know your business idea is very different from, from Luke's. Do you mind sharing exactly where your business idea came from and how you began to make it into a successful business? Uh, my business came about as a as an experience, uh, out of experience, what, what I went through uh, in trying to, to manage and provide a solution for myself at household level with regards to disposal of uh, single-use uh, diapers and also disposal of our garbage, household garbage, where in, our, in the city that I live in, we're experiencing inadequate uh, garbage collection. So we'd end up with tons of used soiled diapers. So in me trying to, to, to reduce that at household level, uh, that's when I realized I could opt for the reusable diapers where I get to work, do laundry, but at the same time uh, save uh, save on our on our on our garbage and reduce our garbage and save on on our income as well. So after that, that's when I then decided to say, "Ah, oh, this experience, I would like to have other mums go through it as well." That's when I then started Tamba Washables. That sounds um, very interesting. Now we can definitely see that you both are coming from two very different um, angles. But in terms of um, the, the, the renewable energy sector, we are seeing a lot of opportunities available for especially young, young people um, to enter this green economy. Um, but it's still very young. Um, it's a very a young sector, in, especially in African countries such as ours. Um, how profitable is it to, to work in this sector at the moment? I would think that um, is uh, is quite profitable, even though there are significant challenges in the sector, mostly emanating from the fact that um, Zimbabwe is used to a. In the past, we used to have a very stable, you know, power supply, but between the year 2000 and um, to date, that's when we had quite an erratic supply of electricity. So. The penetration of the renewable energy into the power supply sector has been very, very low, um, uh, mostly because of because of, of that reason. But uh, it's a business that, in my view, I think is quite profitable. We see so many young people getting into it. Some are getting into solar installation services, and some, a few, are getting into you know biogas systems as well. Yeah, it's still a very new uh, a sector, but we still we see a, a, a lot of progress in the sector, and we also think that there is a, there's still a lot of space 
and uh, there are more players that are coming and joining uh, day by day. Uh, just to add on that, uh, green businesses in general, they tend to to take time, say, for the business to, to even, say, break even and then start to, to start making profits and all. But because they have, they like, on, the, on one hand, they solely rely on people, uh, customers, that is, or consumers, changing their perspectives, uh, changing their behavior patterns and the way they consume uh, things. Uh, so, 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 so it's like in relation to that. When, when people are more aware of, of the impact of their daily decisions on the environment, I think in, in a way it will also will mean uh, an increase in the profitability of green businesses. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it's also very important, like you touched on, um, how, how, how have you guys gone about changing people's attitudes, firstly, towards the environment and why should they care? And secondly, towards what your product or what your services are offering? Why, why should they need you? So um, how have you both gone about to, to kind of, you know, start the conversation with, with, with the community and the country as a whole? Uh, one of the key things is always look, uh, concentrating your marketing strategy on raising awareness. Like you just have to spend uh, more on that because the more people are aware uh, that the solution exists and the more they are better informed uh, at making their next decision with regards to purchasing green green uh, pro- green products uh, sometimes people don't know that such products exist so you we hamper a lot uh, with our marketing on on just raising awareness and just making sure that people know the alternative that the green alternative that exists yeah, I completely concur with um, what Elizabeth is saying. It's an issue of awareness. What we have realized, for example, in the biogas industry is that even though the technology has been around for many years, but still so, not so many people know about it. We get so many questions from customers and potential customers. Each time we talk to them about biogas, they will ask us, please, I'm a layman. Can you explain to me how biogas works? So we realized at the end of the day, after explaining to them so many things about biogas, that they, they are interested, they are excited about the, the, the innovations that we are bringing on the market. So it's a question of awareness. And um, that's the reason why, for example, as a company, we are trying to intensify as much as possible our marketing uh, and awareness campaigns in order to raise awareness so that people get to know more about uh, these green products. Yeah, um, and you know, um, with maybe some cultural challenges, you know, some cultural barriers, or maybe just, you know, costs. Some people think green is more expensive, for example. How have you faced these? Some, have there been any challenges around making people aware of your services? In our case, I think the issue around cost is one of the most important barriers apart from just the uh, idea uh, around awareness, the issue around the cost, you realize that um, uh, the the biogas digester, the smallest, for example, in our case, would cost somewhere between 500 USD, 500 to 700 US dollars. So 
at times that cost is a huge barrier in terms of uh, the decision to go for biogas. But what we've been trying to do as a company is to try and come up with innovative ways to make sure that our clients can still benefit from our services, you know, irrespective of the cost. For example, at the moment we have launched what we call a pay-as-you-use biogas scheme, which is allowing you know, our customers to own a biogas plant before they can actually pay for its construction. It's just one way to try and circumvent the problem around the cost. So we build the plant for them and ask them to pay for the cost for the next 18 or 36 months in small installments. That way it's easier because already they are now using the plant, they are now aware of the benefits, they are now enjoying the benefits of using biogas. So it's easier for them to pay up the, uh, the project fee in small installments. So I would say that, uh, yes, indeed, the issue of cost is, has been one of the barriers, but we are trying uh, to bring innovative ways to go around it. Ah, thanks, Luke, for sharing that. Um, the, I've, in my business also, the, the cash upfront uh, factor, it's always a challenge in as much as someone will get to serve in the long run. Uh, so I just wanted to find out, like, how how is the model of, like, your pay as you use or pay as you go? Uh, how is it how is it working? Are people, like, actually uh, paying to clear up or are there challenges with credit and stuff? Because that's also something uh, I would... I would want to consider in my business, but I would also want to know from someone who's, who's actually doing it. Okay, what we have seen so far is um, a, an overwhelming response in the in the uptake of the you know the, our products under this this new scheme. Okay, and um, we have uh, two clients so far who are already on on, on the scheme, and it's, even though it's quite new. Uh, it's, it's, it's doing very well. It's doing very well. And we think that we can walk in a number of you know, customers uh, to operate under the scheme. So far, we, we haven't seen much of a challenge. I'm not so sure whether it, it, it's because it's fairly new and we, because this is the uh, second month of, of rolling it out. So perhaps as we go, uh, we'll be able to see some of the challenges uh, perhaps around credit, uh, late, uh, late payments, and so forth and so forth. But so far, it's still good. We are anticipating to rob uh, more clients. Actually, our target is to be able to rob three, uh, 200 clients, um, around uh, 100 for the 10 cubic meter facility, and then around 100 for the 20 cubic meter facility. We have a target of installing 200 plants under this scheme in the next three years. Oh wow, that's great! Congratulations. Um, so you know, from what from what both are saying, it seems like you know they they are you know maybe some costs incurred that you did not maybe expect to 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 incur as you're starting a a, a business, as many business people will tell you. Um, what other surprises have you faced while starting your businesses, and um, how have you had to change your strategies maybe to to meet some of these surprises? The biggest surprise for me was was the journey, like the, the time it took for the business to break even. <laughs> I would have thought, I would have thought going into business, we're just going to experience profits. Um, I didn't realize that, that 
the 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 journey uh, you have to first break even then you you go beyond i thought we would just cast ourselves into profit first yeah so that that was the biggest surprise but um much appreciation goes to the trainings that we we had uh, been undertaken with the ILO, the Green Enterprise and Innovation Challenge Program. Uh, so at least it was it was now easier to just go about it, just to <laughs> to go through it. Uh, had it had it not been in the case that that I was undergoing training. Uh, I'm sure that's when most small businesses will just say, we'll give up because um, of of that delay in experiencing uh, enjoyable profits. It's a big challenge. And even just paying yourself, for example, I mean, at what point could you even pay yourself from your business? Yes, yes, that's quite, that's quite a challenge. And, you know, if you have workers, you have to prioritize paying the workers before you even think about paying yourself. And I've come to understand that that's quite normal. When I'm doing my budgets, I have to think about making sure that the, the, the workers are paid before I even consider paying myself and the other two directors that I work with. So yes, indeed, it, it's, it's, it's really it's a, an important factor. And for, for us, um, you know, you realize that we our products are divided into the small scale, um, biogas plants and as well as the utility scale biogas plants. Our biggest surprise has been in terms of fundraising, the challenges around fundraising for the larger scale project. We've been doing very well with the small scale projects, the biogas plants that range up to around 20 cubic meter, um, 20 cubic meters in size. But we have a, a project for which we signed you know, a contract last year. It's, it's a capital uh, intensive project, which is supposed to run for about five years. Fundraising for that project has been really, really, really difficult. And uh, that has been one of uh, the biggest surprises. We never thought we would uh, actually you know, go for as far as 12 months without hitting a huge milestone in terms of getting it, uh, it, it financed. Yeah. And of course, uh, also COVID was a huge surprise. We had to really comply with with, with uh, the government directives when they ordered um, non-essential business services to close down, um, or we just had to comply. And that mean, that had to mean two to three months of not operating. Yes, it, it, it was indeed a huge blow. Yes, I'm glad you touched on the, on the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and how it's affecting everyone. Um, uh, let's go into that, actually. Um, in terms of running your, your, your businesses, I mean, obviously, there's been, we, there's been the downside. But like on a more positive note, like any surprise benefits for running a green business at the moment? Any, any maybe delivery or pay, pay as you go? Any marketing strategies have you, you've had to, to, to incorporate? And they've actually had some beneficial impact on your businesses during this time. Maybe Elizabeth, you could tell us about this, especially now that more mothers are staying at home, you know, more children are being born, you know, how, how has it impacted your business? I've, I'll just take it from, say, the time when COVID hit, would have thought that was the end of our business. But um, 
when we realized that as a business, as a green business, we also had a role to play in helping to reduce the number of cases of of COVID uh, in our country through making uh, cloth face masks. So, so that was something that we ventured into, and uh, we it, it it really helped a lot to to boost our, our business uh, during such a difficult period. Um, the increase in demand of our product has been on the rise with mothers staying at home, being at home, and also people losing their jobs, uh, people actually realizing the, the, the importance of saving household income. So, so we have seen, seen a, quite a, an increase in the demand of people requesting for our products. Um, so that they can be so so that it's been like more of a push factor uh, on on our consumer side that the circumstances that came around COVID really pushed them into opting to make that decision to to make use of of green of cloth diapers uh, versus the single use diapers. Elizabeth, I understand that you you have also been involved in the um, production of um, cloth face masks uh, in response to the COVID-19 challenges. How has has uh, this part of your business been performing? It was a a bit of a challenge in that right at the beginning of the the pandemic, we just weren't sure, uh, will cloth face masks work? So, So there was that phase where we kind of waited, are they going to work? until we started getting reports and guidelines from the WHO or from the Center for Disease Control, highlighting that, you know what, cloth face masks, they do work, your, even from your homemade one. That's when we jumped in and uh, we managed to make, uh, to, to, have, to have our product go undergo uh, laboratory tests to actually see the efficacy in, in, in how they could work and, Getting that report um, was something that then instilled us to say, okay, now we can make this product available because we know it can work. So we're able to make a face mask. At the same time, uh, do trainings. We would go to rural communities um, and train uh uh, seamstresses and tailors that side on how to make like an effective uh, cloth face mask. Uh, yeah, that that would have meant looking at the number of layers and even the, the design and stuff like that. So, so we're really proud of ourselves and and the role that we we got to play. Uh, Elizabeth, like I, I would really like to learn more about your your product. Um, for example, what makes it different uh, to maybe, for example, the traditional um, um, diaper or the the, the store bought diaper? Could you maybe tell us a bit more exactly about how 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 it is green? Okay, so currently we are making like your modern cloth diapers, which are which are somehow an improvement of the traditional nappy. Um, and they also have like a feel of of the of the disposable nappy, but however they go further and be funky and attractive to look at through the various prints that we use. So with this product, um, with the cloth diaper, we see that it's 
it's it's able to provide um the the diaper need care for each, for any family at le- at at an at cost at least cost compared to single use disposable diapers and and what do you what materials do you use to make them so we use uh waterproof material and then we also make use of for the absorbency we make use of organic fabrics so we have uh, we make use of cotton bamboo and hemp so in terms of um this 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 theme of of you know green and 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 sustainability um as you might know you know this uh Thursday 22nd April was Earth Day so in the theme the theme this year's theme was restore our earth so Elizabeth you've actually answered um pretty well about how your business um is helping your country to restore our earth perhaps luke you could tell us a bit more uh, how exactly your um business will help us restore our earth especially with the challenges facing zimbabwe and you know the continent as a whole okay um you realize that um our biogas systems make use of waste in order to convert that waste into uh, useful energy so in terms of uh, the theme in line with the theme uh restore our earth we are making use of waste that could have otherwise been disposed into the environment and cause a lot of pollution and a lot of challenges in zimbabwe according to the uh, latest report um uh, the the, ne- the nationally determined contributions it has been reported that the waste sector contributes about 4% in terms of the greenhouse um gas emissions so by recovering energy from the, the 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 waste especially the organic waste we remove that part of the waste from the environment which could have uh, resulted in in the generation of the greenhouse gases and we make sure that any methane that is generated uh, by our systems is converted to carbon dioxide uh, during the, the the combustion processes which means that instead of us releasing methane into the atmosphere which is a higher uh what we say a global warming potential now if our customers are able to use uh the methane as a fuel they can reduce it to a less potent gas which is co2 so we are doing a lot in terms of saving the environment and at, at the same time wherever we have constructed a plant that means they will be able to cut less trees they will be able to depend less on coal they will be able to depend less on the other biomass sources of energy they will rely solely on the biogas which in a, in a way we are also helping to conserve the forests we are helping to conserve the carbon sink that is uh, available in the in the environment so we are doing quite a lot and apart from that you also realize that there is a byproduct that comes from the biogas plant the The, the 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 digested material we call it digested it comes from the biogas plant it is a nutrient rich you know uh, a product which can be used to replace the the the, the um, chemical fertilizers so instead of the farmer for example who has benefited from our services instead of him buying lots and lots of chemical fertilizers such as ammonium nitrate now they can comp- they can offset that by just making making use of the digested that comes from the from the biogas plant and they can use it as an organic fertilizer for their crops so in a nutshell 
those are some of the things that uh, we are doing to help the, the environment while at the same time making sure that we are also uh, doing business sustainably. So it seems like there's so many opportunities in the in the green economy for Africans. You know, it's all about just what your interest is and, and where your talents lie. Elizabeth, for example, you you are geared towards something that you actually you know experienced as a mother. Um, but in, in terms of your experience, um, what advice would you give to others, especially women who are interested in starting their own green green businesses in, in Africa? The advice I would give to, to, to women, in young, young girls and women who want to enter into businesses, green business in Africa, is show up. <laughs> so we know the challenges that we go through in Africa, and some of these we go through them daily. So it's, it's only up to us to provide the solutions to these challenges of, through using business models. So it's such that we, we like kill two birds with one stone. We are we're able to 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 address to provide solutions for our communities and for our country, and at the same time we're also able to create employment um, for ourselves and for for other other women as well, which is so much needed in Africa at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have this this whole you know term called leapfrogging. You know, in Africa, where, you know, because we lack some access, for example, to electricity or internet or whatever. You know, it allows us to be more to be more creative with how we, but also also using our traditional you know knowledge, which both of you are actually doing, which is great. In terms of growth, um, both of you, could you briefly share with us your five year plan on how you plan on expanding your companies? In my case. As I mentioned before, uh, with the pay-as-you-use biogas scheme, we are expecting that in the next three years, we should be able to construct and deploy about 200 uh, small-scale biogas plants. Apart from that, we are also working on, a, on the large-scale project that I mentioned about, which is a biogas-to-electricity project. It's the first of its kind in Zimbabwe. And we think that if we uh, successfully implement this project, we are going to unlock a lot of investment in the sector. It's a, it's, it's a project that is being constructed next to a housing development, and we have quite a number of such housing developments around the country. So we hope to have a lot of uh, projects of this nature in the next few years. Apart from that, in the long run, we will also move to the larger scale projects such as you know, landfill to gas recovery of energy from waste that has been disposed in sanitary landfills. Those are some of the things that we are just anticipating in the next five to ten years. Uh, our five-year plan um, entails us uh, really trying to, to push for, for an increase in the use of our products that is through complementing uh, even the traditional NEPI. Uh, we also have now, through our experience through COVID, we now have, have our eye cast on entering into the maternal mental health terrain, where we realize uh, that diaper need uh, plays a, a big role in in creating anxiety or depression in, in mothers. Uh, so, so we feel that that's an area that would, would want to, 
to actively participate in and see the improvement of of the mental health of mothers. Oh, wow. That sounds like a great idea, Elizabeth. Um, I think that is an area that we often very very much neglect, um, um, especially in, maybe in areas where there's not even a hospital, you know, mental health clinic and so on, you know, for mothers to, to, to go and use. Um, so congratulations on that. Um, and last question. Um, I think we're actually running out of time. The conversation has been, you know, flowing. Um, you know, last question. Um, what are, you guys are now, you know, I, you guys are leaders in, 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 you know, in green economy in, in your country and in Africa. So um, in terms of where do you guys think that, you know, the future of green jobs uh, is headed in Africa and, and, and how do you plan on, on being at the forefront of it? Uh, in my view, I think um, you realize that uh, there has been a lot of uh, talk around sustainable development, greening the economy, and obviously renewable energy penetration into the energy uh, supply matrix. So we think that with that movement that is taking place, there is going to be a lot of space for the creation of more and more green jobs. I think as more and more innovative uh, products come into the market, especially related to energy supply and also um, energy efficiency is also coming on board. So we think as a result of uh, those developments, there's going to be a lot of um, uh, uh, job, uh, green jobs creation. And um, that's going to go a long way in terms of improving even uh, the economies of many African countries. That's what I would say in a nutshell. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll concur with Luke and then I'll just add that um, through the commitments that we see governments of African countries taking to actually take issues of climate change uh, on board and ensure that their countries are, uh, are initiating programs and that, that are greening the economy. Uh, we see that in as much as we have ran maybe as the forerunners a difficult mile that we have ran, but we feel that in the future uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be easier for other green businesses to come on board um, as long as we just have the support uh, and the commitment from from government and all the various interested stakeholders. Oh yeah, for sure. I think um, both of you and your companies are doing a great job paving the way for other, other, other entrepreneurs to make the process simpler. Yeah, that would be great. Um, thank you so much, Elizabeth and Luke, for your time and for chatting with us today. I wish you all the best in all your future endeavors. I'm sure this is not the last time we'll be hearing from you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Belinda. It has been a pleasure to be uh, part of this uh, meeting. Thank you very much. Thanks, Luke. Thank you so much, Belinda. Thank you, Elizabeth. It was really great chatting to you. So that's all for this edition of ILO's Future of Work podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And that is it from us. Goodbye. Goodbye.